Hey there, you're listening to Audio Diaspora with me, Christabel Insiabwedi. I hope you are doing well. And on today's show, I'm passing the mic to, well, I mean, I'm going to say London because that's where my next guest is, but I think it's far sexier to say Rio de Janeiro. And I'm speaking with, introduce yourself. I'll pass the mic to you. Uh, Hello, everyone. I'm Gabriela Valin. Uh, also knowing as Gabby or Gab, depends on your accent, you can choose. Uh, I am from Brazil, actually, but I love to say that I am an African in diaspora because for those who know don't know much about the Brazilian history, we are basically a black country and the black people there, we came from Africa, so... I pick myself as a Nigerian. I decided to be one that I I cannot track without the DNA. I love the Nigerian energy, so I claim I'm Nigerian. (laughs) I was born in Sao Paulo, but I lived in Rio, and my heart is Carioca. (laughs) I'm a music journalist. I'm also the co-founder of Bailiff & Culture, that is a collective that became a startup that we aim to bring more visibility to the Brazilian um, street culture and also to bring the diaspora together, especially the Portuguese speakers, um, this community around the Palops, the African countries that speak uh, Portuguese. And more than that, everyone who wants to get to know this Brazil that you have been, like Bahia, Salvador, Recife, that side that is black Brazil. So this is the Brazil I want everyone to know about. Got it. You said so much and you packed so much in. I'm going to get to your personal journey, hopefully in this conversation, but let's start with baile funk culture. So you have just said that you basically, you want people to know about black Brazil, essentially, right? That's at the heart of what you're talking about. Um, before we started this conversation, I'd mentioned that I have been to Brazil just once. Um, I say just once. Many people have not been to Brazil, so I take that as a blessing. And I went to Recife, which is on the eastern corridor of the of the country, I believe. And it was it blew my mind because uh, it was African. African people were there, and um, I found myself walking around and feeling somewhat at home you know like it's not a country that I don't speak the language necessarily so it didn't feel like I'm in some senses but in other ways it really really my spirit really took to it and I remember like going to a town square and um you know like seeing people doing capoeira like it the real the real real capoeira and kind of being like oh wow and then going into this what was a what felt like a, a, a community center and this, it was a Friday night, something was going on. I couldn't, I don't know what it was, but people were singing and I, there was a, a young boy who I believe was 15 because my friend who was living there at the time and sport, um, spoke Portuguese, speaks Portuguese, um, shout out Shahina Baha, um, asked, and he sang from, I don't know where his voice came from, but it came from the ancestors it was deep. It was filled with so much that I just, I, I don't know. I just found myself just like rooted to the spot and listening to him. So I'm sharing that as in like, 
knowing that it felt like a very life-changing experience but not from that I went to Brazil and I, as a tourist it was it was just extremely surprising and grounding for me when I went to Recife um and so I'm for that reason alone I'm kind of excited to speak to you because I only know one part of of this culture right I know a little bit about Brazilian hip-hop culture as well because I've done some work on that but what you're talking about is connecting all of those things and I'm sure you're going to say well there's much more that that I need to to learn and explore, right, about our African brothers and sisters in Brazil. So off to you, like, what is it we need to learn? Or what is it that you, you're Definitely. looking to do? I really, I even started teaching Portuguese because as I'm a journalist and I learned English by the experience of moving to London. And I didn't know coming from Brazil that there are so many African people in London. And my experience of getting to know them and listening a few people saying how they felt being in Brazil, I was like, wait, much more people need to know that where I came from, we have a huge community of African people that are outside the African continent after Nigeria Brazil is the country with more black people in the world so we are like the biggest diaspora and I realized that the Brazil people know about outside Brazil it's a Brazil of Gisele Bittin that famous model that could be from any other country in Europe and even when I present myself as a Brazilian many people they don't get it they will first guess I'm from France I'm from you know the Caribbean that they will never associate my image as a black woman as coming from Brazil and I realized that this is and was an opportunity and also something that made me feel a bit uncomfortable because I want it this is mm, this is what I came it. from we have a strong um, community of activists we are very organized we fight for our rights we had so many uh, achievements for the African community in Brazil for the black people we are so advanced in this black lives matter agenda and I got frustrated knowing that no one know about it outside Brazil and also uh -huh. not knowing that we like we are in development in Brazil right at the same at the same time we have a lot of richness because of politics because of corruption because of violence we still have a long way to go in terms of um, opportunities for everyone however if we see ourselves as the black community from developed developed countries going back going to brazil it's a, even like business opportunities if you speak portuguese and you go mm. to brazil using uh, pounds or using euros or using dollars you can dollars, set up yeah. your business and you can become a millionaire over there you know and there is the, the market is there and so thinking about this this business side, I'm very entrepreneur. I thought, let me start teaching Portuguese. So I teach Portuguese through music. So I always talk, especially for black entrepreneurs here, especially for artists. Uh, let's go to Brazil. Let's build our business. Let's even build a global community of creatives doing business in Brazil. 
because oh. we will generate opportunities for the Brazilian youth, for the, the Afro-Brazilian community, and you will also provide resources for yourself. Mm. So let me be clear, just so I'm understanding, because again, you, you pack so much in. So is what you do is you're teaching Portuguese, but really it's about taking people back home, right, to, to build that connection um, to between Brazil and the rest of the world, or, or, or in this case, London. Uh, is that correct? This is one of the things that I do as uh as a teacher and also using my skills as a journalist, this is one yeah. of the things we do with Bailifan culture. Yeah. So we are a startup and yeah. we started doing parties to show up Bailifunk. That is a kind of music. Hold on, hold on. Yes. Yeah, so, so you started all of this by doing parties and you said, wait a minute, there's, there's some connect, extra connection that exactly. we need to do as a community. I'm going to yeah. be that connection point, right? And so we're doing the parties, but hey, let's connect, come over to Brazil, right? And see, see what we're about, but also see what you can do so that we can build those economic channels right you're talking about exactly. economic empowerment exactly especially because there is another side of the story that brazil it's a very racist country so we don't have the support mm -hmm. of brazilians white brazilians because we are not white so we are not part mm -hmm. of their community while brazilians but at the same time we are not Africans in terms of being born in Africa. So when I realized living in London yep. that I didn't have the support from my peers, let's say the Brazilians, and I didn't have the support from my peers, Africans, because I was not from specific countries, I was like, wait a minute, I will have to advocate for myself and for more people. And then I started to do this, like, hello, I realized the white Brazilians would not support me. It's the opposite. So I was like, wait, like my, and first of all, I'm a black woman, you know, and I have my, the, my family is black. My brother is black. So I need to associate with my peers. And then we started my business partner. She's also from, from Sao Paulo. We grow up together. And as much as she's not a uh, black, she grew up in that environment coming from the favelas and growing up watching all of that. She, she can, um, do an effort to put herself in that shoes and understand that as much she has some privilege, there is a lot that she can do to help building this community that we came from. And then together, she is mm, an, an ally, exactly. Mm -hmm. And together we started with the party because this was how we are knowing here. People know Brazil because we have beautiful women and samba and capoeira. Mm -hmm. So we said, all right, mm -hmm. let's do this approach. But then they come because of the beautiful women, the nice music, the nice food, and they will be educated about the culture. And mm. the allies that we count with them, they will use their money to help us to build our community and to create business opportunities, to create the opportunities of development. Then we expand not only for Afro-Brazilians or for um, underrepresented Brazilians, but for, for the diaspora, for um, young creatives and everyone who understands the impact that we can 
uh, creates working together. Yeah. So your your parties are parties exactly. with a mission, right? That's what we're talking about. That's what you've done. And it's again, you're like you're taking me everywhere in this conversation in the best possible way. So I'm going to go back a little bit because your experience in London, I think, really highlights the experience of um, black people across the diaspora who go to a different a different country. Right. And I, I think about this as a as a, and it's like, it's your experience is supercharged because you went to a country where you speak a different language, right? Where, and also because in the same way that, you know, I will roll my eyes when people say, are there black people in the UK? I'm like, yes. Of course, people don't think like that now, but that I've had that feeling where people have said, I didn't realize there were black people in the UK. And you you again are saying, when people say, when I say that I'm Brazilian, people don't even acknowledge me as Brazilian because our perceptions of what a Brazilian looks like, it's not even a perception, it's a stereotype, is not you, right? It's not a, a darker skinned woman or a, a woman with an Afro. It is a woman who looks like, who has roots from in Argentina, in Germany, um, or rather, well, Argentina is, in, is not in Europe, but do you know what I mean? Like even that, me saying Argentina, I'm just like, yeah, I've ignored a whole swathe of people who again, don't look blonde, blue eyed, right? And so I just think that's so intense and so impactful, like what you have said in terms of you going to the UK, you're not realizing that there were as many um, Africans and you say African specifically, yeah. not black people, right? In the UK, people talk about black British, which again is very interesting, African specifically. And you said, I am an island in this ocean of people who in theory I should be able to connect with and I can't because of how I look and because of what my culture is. But then you turn that around and you use that as a superpower to say, wait a minute, there's some stuff that we have to do. Not just because you were looking for connection, as I understand it, but because you said there's some education people need to know about my people and about our connection to everybody around the world yes for me i can i have some connections for me it's not hard to build connections but thinking about legacy you know different from other mm. africans who are like black british they are the third they are the second or the first generation of people who were born here so they are from they are from nigerian or for, from ghana even from angola but they were born here uh we don't have a second or third generation of afro-brazilians who were born here so what i'm doing i don't have like my mother is is not here to support me you know my aunties so i need i need to build the foundation for my kids or my kids, mm -hmm. kids to say, mm -hmm. oh, yes, my mother started. And now we have a whole community of rich Afro-Brazilians here mm -hmm. who have business and who um, are responsible for the narrative of what it means to be Afro-Brazilians. Because now even the agenda, mm -hmm. the instit mm -hmm. institutional and political agenda doesn't contemplate us like, they know like nope. you don't see any institutional uh, agenda organized by the government the brazilian government here that contemplate initiatives of afro-brazilian they will uh, eventually uh, have mm. someone on board but 
not actually investing money on those people developing their business or you know highlighting what they are doing it's always in a sense of yes see we have one or two here we are doing something but it's not actually yeah um yeah as you see for example here as i talk about race with my um black british friends and they say oh yeah we still have a long way to go indeed my perspective about uh, race being here from three years now it's completely different from my perspective when i arrived that i i thought they were not as racist as in brazil but the truth is that it's just a different pocket and in the end of the day you see it a lot and for me what is shocking is that the afro community the black people here is not necessarily as organized and as aware of that as we are in brazil maybe because there we were colonized and we had to learn how to survive and here they are in the land of the colonizers so it's different the process even like to survive is a mechanism to survive so i understand not being judgmental because we are in the same boat but just being able to see the different dynamics of how race uh, influence even uh, the way they build communities and uh, one of the other initiatives that I started it's a whatsapp group we call it London Ravers and I started because I was going to parties and I had weird experience from like even in the black community of being like treated in a very rude way while I was thinking oh yeah I found my people mm. my black peers and I was being treated right. in a very bad way because I was not from a specific country right. so I created this WhatsApp as a community right. to network and share the mindset of sharing is caring so let's you know empower each mm -hmm. other let's uh recommend recommend each other for jobs let's book each other DJs for our parties mm. let's do collaborations because we might not have access resources financial resources to do things but when when we exchange our skills we might be able to get the same final result as people with a lot of money because we are being smart and strategic Hey, thank you so much for listening to Audio Diaspora with me, Christabel Insiabwedi. You can check us out on the socials. I urge you to follow us there because we are doing so much and we have huge plans for the rest of the year. And you can find out what they are by following us on IG and on Twitter. We are at Audio Diaspora on X, formerly known as Twitter. Man, old habits are hard to break. And we are also on IG at Audio Diaspora. First of all, what we haven't addressed is how many Brazilians in London are there? You are the first Afro-Brazilian in London that I've met. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, I don't live there, but like, how many, like, how... how well, we don't have this, this accurate number of how many Afro-Brazilians we have here, but... Yeah, yeah however, the Brazilian community here, it's huge, but we have many other issues in this uh one of that it's a different language mm -hmm. so 
um, many Brazilians, they stay between themselves because a lot of deep issues from immigration issues, from the language barrier, from some of them, they came here with being old, older way older than me so it's harder to socialize it's hard hard to be integrated mm. in the city and also we have everything from brazil here i don't necessarily need to go in other communities i can have the food i can everything from brazil i can find here so many people right. they stay inside the community they don't integrate so even for brazilian parties if you go to mm. a brazilian party they will not talk in English. They will, you know, it's like being in Brazil. So my party. But you know what? I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to jump in there because I'm going to say to you that what you're doing sounds really similar to the kind of networks that my own parents had oh, when they really? came to London. Right. In that. Yes, because, and you know, my, my parents, they spoke English, but you know, they they came from a place where they spoke a different language and this is in the in the 70s right 60s and 70s my parents came in the 70s and you know as they would tell it and as my early early memories were i was surrounded by Ghanaians all the time who came from different parts of the country who were you know they didn't have they didn't have whatsapp at the time in the 70s or 80s right but they were building their networks right and they were they were supporting each other and a lot of those people now are my uncles and aunties. Do you know what I mean? That they, they are my elders. And so what you're talking about is is something that has been done, you know, that that other people have done for the same reasons that you are doing it, right? Is that like you get here and you're like, wait a minute, this is craziness. Mm. What's happening? Right. And then, you know, how do you find access? How do you just find uh, how do you just find community? So but you know, and they would have parties, <laughs> but they wouldn't invite outside people necessarily. But they'd have parties as a way to to commune and to connect, um, because moving to another country can feel really really lonely. The thing they didn't do was say to other black folk, "You need you go to Ghana in order to build." What they would do is we're we're having our, we have our resources and we're going back to build in our communities, in our villages, in our mm -hmm. towns back mm -hmm. home. Yeah, right. So I love what you're saying. Super interesting to me. I'm, I, this yeah. is I'm just yeah. able today to do that because I'm very grounded in the African culture. I was an activist for years in my life, mm -hmm. and everything that the others told me is what allows me today to give, like to continue, in, like to just do an extension of their work. You know, so I'm the fruit of my mom, of my grandma, of all the elders that are doing the activism, the Black Lives Matter, all the organizations that I was part of growing up and all of that that shared mm -hmm. their wisdom with me. And there is another saying that is mm -hmm. I am because they are. So the, the Ubuntu philosophy, I would never be able to yes. be talking to you if I didn't have other black people in my history, in my life, who opened up doors for me to be here. And because I was born in Brazil, I cannot, I love Africa, and I consider myself an African in diaspora, yeah. but 
I cannot say I will go back home because I, I have no land there. I have no family there. Obviously, I have my extended family, uh, but my family, like my biological family, is in Brazil, you know, and I'm talking about a, vi yes. a violent country that while I'm talking to you every 20 minutes, a uh, black child is killed by the police in that country. And I have brothers. You know, I have, I have my dad, I have black men in my family. So I never know if when I'm coming back from work that day, the men in my family in Brazil will be alive because they are. Do you live, do you live, do you live with that fear every day? Like you, 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 you know, like you're literally like, mm, like it's, it's that prevalent and it's that ingrained in you that every day you're like, okay. Yeah, ob obviously, obviously, especially like my brother, there is some, fat, let me try to talk it with, about it without being emotional. Um, when I moved here, I was, this, I moved one of the reasons because I was suffering persecution from like because I was an activist and I worked for the government and it became not safe for me to live there anymore and then I moved and I had to move in order to be alive not only because I could be like someone could shoot me but because mentally right. being a Brazil uh, an activist in Brazil you have no mental health you know because it's a constantly fear of mm. someone finished with your life or with your legacy because you were talking too much and you were impacting a structure that it's designed to be in that way to do them the, to maintain people in the positions that they are so things cannot change what what government were so who was in power at the time uh, it was bolsonaro well i was going to say bolsonaro okay and then you said you were working in the government and yeah yeah, yeah i was well? working for in the um for the previous president that it's the current president lula yes lula lula aha you were working mm -hmm. for aha so you were working for lula bolsonaro gets voted in and you were an activist how like because you know what were you what were you advocating but for, for black lives matter for? i was always in yeah, i was always in got it all right the youth rights always. and like organizing cultural events around the black lives matter, matter mm -hmm. uh, narrative and campaign of empowering uh black people and yeah. especially the youth and yep. things got complicated yep. for me but as much as I as like okay. I had access to education and then I had the opportunity to leave like to move outside my the favela where I grew up favelas are very poor areas and yes. where the violence they're like they're like um yeah they're like they're like estates in the UK yeah. but yeah they're, they're, they're again supercharged estates uh, or, or projects in the US depending yeah. on where you're so I left that mm -hmm. but it's hard as a black person if when you come, come from that reality even though you are not there anymore your whole family is still there because you mm -hmm. you cannot save everyone mm -hmm. you are not financially able to do that so it's that constantly fear and right. judgment of 
I should not be eating this food that cost me so much money while so many people mm. in my family because it, could... you know I even I went to UN mm-hmm. uh, in 2015 because I was invited to go as an ambassador uh, for, um, for for Brazil to talk about the genocide of black people in Brazil, the black youth in Brazil being killed by the police and all of that. And obviously it was an honor for me and I was super excited. But at the same time, I was there and I was feeling so guilty because I wanted my mother to experience mm. that. And I was like, oh my God, maybe she would never leave it she would not never when i arrived there and was when obama was um the president and i left the car and the the ooh, the tax driver was black obama was the president on the tv inside the car and so many black journalists and ev- like so many black people everywhere that was a feeling that marked my life forever. And I decided from that day that I would learn English, doesn't matter how. And I would be back again in that position and tell everyone back home that this was not a movie, this was reality. Would be possible to exist in a configuration where black people who look like me actually have access to money because in Brazil we don't have black people who are the owners of banks of universities of all of that so as much as people say oh but US is as like it's too much racist like I disagree I think in Brazil it's worse especially because we don't have access to the media control like we don't have an opera in Brazil so right. when something like that happened that happened all the time I mean we don't have yeah. uh rich black people to advocate and say if you don't stop it I will I will do something Right I mean I think I th- I think I think um like you said beforehand right I think it's all different because I think there would and and it's about the context that we understand isn't it so because there are going to be some people that that will say yeah we have we have all of this but we are tired because we had to fight for it so yes we do have an Oprah right and we do have people who own networks but what's the what is the content that that we're hearing from these networks right there's still there's still a fight and that's not too I'm not I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying I'm just saying I just recognize that it's all about the context as well but I want to go back to that that special moment when you were talking at the UN and Obama was president and you, you were just surrounded by black power, right? Black, black influence and black power. Can you describe that moment? Can you describe the feeling? Cause even as you were saying it, I was looking at you and you were still like, you were, it was, there was a, I don't know. There was a, the feeling was very powerful and palpable, but I don't have yeah. the word. So how, how did well, you feel? Um, I need to give illustrate the scenario to give uh, a better understanding of my feeling, kind of to guide you through towards the journey of my feeling. I grew up, my mother was a single mom, like raising me and my brother. And I went to a public school, uh, a public school in Brazil. It's from like I stay from this, the government. It's not a good school, you know, in the favela. So not good not good quality um you know so i went through a lot of issues but i always had the dream of 
you know, building something different and, you know, being able to represent my community. So I was part of the local newspaper in the school. I was part of the local radio in the mm -hmm. school. Then I was part of like working for the government. I was always doing things for my community and for my people, but I never imagined that I would somehow make it global you know I never and I didn't speak English obviously like not many people just three percent of the population in Brazil speaks English so for me it was kind of a fairy tale that I I believed with all my soul that something like that could happen but was was impossible you know understanding all the scenario and the circumstances and my poor family and everything I was like okay it's just a dream so when at the age of 21 I got the invite after a campaign I created a campaign against they wanted to reduce you gotta tell, yeah, they wanted to tell reduce us the, campaign. the yeah, age uh -huh. uh, that kids can go to prison instead of 18 16 yeah Yes. Wait, what? Yes. What do you mean? They wanted to reduce? Because they Why? created Why? a nonsense Why? Why? campaign saying that the amount of uh, kids come like doing crimes uh, was increasing. So they needed to put them in the jail previous before, you know. And obviously there is no sense. What we need, we need access to good education, to culture, to health. Yeah, this is <laughs> politics in Brazil. It's it's like that, you know. And I created a campaign because mm -hmm. I was obviously inside this uh, communication environment, and I was part of these um, um, those those courses with even um, international organizations to to understand how we can use communication tools to empower the youth and promote education. And I said, wait a minute, we can, we need to do something. And I created a campaign with other activists and with some artists to say, no, we need to organize our, our, our community and ask for the government to offer to our people education we just need we need education we need culture this is what we need and this camp campaign was very beautiful but had a lot of challenge in the way because when you uh, you when you do something in this level with structural you will be stopped and they tried to stop me in different ways, but I managed to execute the campaign and many and everywhere in the country they started to talk about it and was a very it was like a national campaign. Many artists engaged and was great. Wow. So as a result, I was invited to represent at the UN as part of the group of ambassadors. Uh got it do you know what's really funny so yeah well i'll tell you afterwards so then so you get to the un and you see this how you i feeling? was speechless i was speechless thankfully they had a translator for me because i couldn't um talk by myself without a translator but i was i was feeling a mix of um uh, am i dreaming is it real is like I didn't know if it was a nightmare because I would have to go back to Brazil. So maybe it was a nightmare. <laughs> or 
or maybe it was a dream because I was seeing people in my age by then, 21, driving nice cars, like handsome men in my age, like in doing their own business on TV and everything. I was I was shocked. I had no words. I even have a video on YouTube. I was like, what 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 is it? It was was very special. Um, I so you know what? <laughs> we started this conversation talking about baile funk yeah. culture, your parties, right? And we've ended talking about the United Nations. We didn't even get to your music journalism, right? Which is which is also part of the creativity. But I say all of that to be like, what's always wonderful for me about these conversations is that you never know where they're going to take you. But as I've been listening to you and I was, you know, pushing back gently and, and asking questions around about all of this, is this, what I've realized in terms of creativity and changing the narrative, you find those creative ways by using your writing, by using your connectivity to change narratives in Brazil and you've in, in what you've just outlined in terms of how you got to the UN and you're doing it in the UK through parties to tell people, Hey, we exist and we need to be connected. So I see you as a builder yes. and a connector. That's what you do. That's, that's part of yeah, your creativity, right? It's a big right? part of it. I would say more than the writing, the writing for me, it's one mm-hmm. more resource that I have. But my superpower is that I can bring everyone together. People that normally would never be in the same room, I bring them all to the room and I speak in a language that they all can understand and in a certain way agree. You know, understanding we all have differences, but we can focus on what we have in common. And more than that, what we all want that it's similar we all want a world where everyone is treated fairly where everyone have the right of of you know express themselves of enjoy themselves of loving each other and being loved so this is what i believe and mm. what i advocate nowadays and towards the narrative of music because for ages i was advocating towards the narrative of the activism what it's not very well received uh. you know as much as I've, i i will say i'm a retired activist you know we will not you not see me <laughs> saying i'm an activist especially in the uk that they will not see you with good eyes mm. so i will say i'm a music and also i want to, i want to jump in that i really wanted to get into this the, the connotation of the word activist and how crazy it is that ultimately you've been labeled an activist because really what you're asking for is for everybody to be treated with empathy yeah. and with love and with care. Yes, wow, Wild, right? exactly. And I don't say it's because once that I put the label of activist, people will stop listening to me. You know, so I have to say yeah. I am, even now I'm saying I'm a poet because, you know, people, you have to, change the narrative in order to call their attention because even my party is starting to be too political well no we don't want to no 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 not politics you know so we need to oh my goodness to, to pack it in the more silly way possible you know uh to then yeah. well i think it's not silly i don't think it's silly i think it's where it's it, i think i think 
and I, I have this, I suffer from this too. It's like, well, it doesn't have to be palatable, but I think sometimes you just yeah, have to exactly. meet people where they are, right? And if and if and if it's music because that's a way to connect, and then you kind of say, hey, while we're here, learn something new, you know, what's 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 wrong with that? I, I'm sadly I have to wrap this interview up, but I'm so glad, so glad that. I learned so much from you that you join me, but also just like getting us to like work together a little more closely and sharing your really powerful journey. So thank, thank you, you for thank you so much. having me and thank you for sharing your platform because this is what I believe we should do. doesn't matter. Uh, the Sometimes we don't know that what we have in hands can amplify the work of someone else we take it for granted so thank you for not taking it for granted and to sharing it with others that love you and giving the chance of more people love you for what you were doing and also loving the people who you are bringing together so I really appreciate your time and your wow. work. And I wanted to say that um, I see you and I know it's not easy to be doing all those things that most of the times we do just because we love and we believe. So I appreciate it. And please don't stop. And if is there anything I can do to help, I will be more than happy because especially as a black woman, I know sometimes we receive so much hate just because we exist and we decided not to give up and not to put our heads down. And I get inspired to see you being with your head up and with your crowd and this gives me energy. And I want us to be together to give the same energy for the ones who will come after us. Ooh. Thank you. Thank you. That, yeah, I needed to hear that today. So thank you very much. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. That's the end of my conversation with Gabby Valium. Um, thank you so much again for, for that support. I, yeah, it means the world. And I want us to continue doing that. Like, we, it's really important to hear those words. I got goosebumps as you said it. I don't know why. Clearly, I needed to hear that. Tune in next time when I have another wonderful and impactful conversation that will no doubt move me and hopefully move you. Our production team includes Cerise Small, Larissa Witcher and Eugene Kidd. I am Christabel Insiabwedi. Thank you so much for listening. Audio Diaspora is a production of My Lens Media.